fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the man who just says no to drugs, <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Almondi! I mean, I will do the Advil and Tylenol um, layering. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Right? Because that's I'll, how I'll you make that sure. plan. Yeah. yeah and that, that they don't damage everything at once. It's they're, a, they're complimentary. They're complimentary. Yeah. You know, after like a long day of adventure riding, when I realize I'm 42 years old and my joints just hurt for the fuck of it, you yeah. know, every, every two hours, Advil and then Tylenol. Yeah. Okay. And then I feel good. I feel like you should tell our, our listeners what happened to you on the way over to my house. Well, the moral of the story, we'll get to the moral first. The moral of the story is don't <laughs> front, do drugs and ride motorcycles. Front load it. Don't take ketamine and get on a fucking motorcycle. Specifically, don't take ketamine. In fact, try not to take ketamine, period. That shit terrifies me. <laughs> what are you, a horse? <laughs> God damn it. That's Even, how it started. It's a horse tranquilizer. That's exactly what it is. Um, so I was riding at a very sane pace coming here on my... Stopped at... Completely at all stop signs. Every stop sign. I did the speed limit. I Not only did I use my blinker, but I also used hand gestures for blinkers too because I want to make sure people know what's happening. Because my bike is hard to see. I don't want you to miss that it. blue ridiculousness that I, I still have to go check out. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's called Tiffany Blue. Thank you very much. I don't know her name, but it's very blue. Uh, Anne keeps calling it Bay, but I keep calling it Tiffany because look at it. And I said, what about breakfast at Tiffany's? I've been singing it every time I see it. I feel like I should get the license plate breakfast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't hate on it. I like it. It stands out. Um, this is the first time, by the way, this is how ADD is amazing. This is the first motorcycle in, I don't know how many motorcycles that I've owned that women like, like as in they point at it on the street and give me a thumbs up because it's blue because it's oh, according to team Ann, uh, some girls know what that color means. Okay. They're, they're just picking up on that. Yeah. Anne's like, shit, yeah, if I see that color, I'd be like, nice. Where's the jewelry at? I wonder if you had done it the American Express green, <laughs> if that would have had a similar- Some corporate dude would be like, oh, yeah, baby, show me your- Oh, yeah, give me that Amex. <clears throat> no interest rates. ROI, uh, baby. Amex black. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, back to the original story. <laughs> I was riding at a very sane pace coming towards you from a nice day at work, and um, there's a part- in southwest portland that it splits to this like side street splits to three lanes and all three lanes hang a very sharp abrupt 90 degree turn to go towards the ross island bridge uh, for those of you that are from around here it's the most funky little it's exchange super funky. i kind of enjoy doing it because it's really weird and it's there's all kinds of curves back there yeah it's yeah. great on the bike so it's it's basically for those of you who are from portland listening it's sheridan and fifth it's where the under armor track That's exactly is. right next yeah. to the under armor track yeah so we, I come up on it and I say we, because one of my coworkers was uh, on his motorcycle right there next to me and there was a ton of cars stopped. And then I could see from my elevated height that there's nothing going on in front of him except everyone's honking on their horns. And then suddenly I see a motorcycle on his side. I'm like, oh shit. So we pass everybody, get up to this person and see there's a tiny little BMW R310 on its side, almost on top of this person, this very small G310 person. G310R. 
G310. Not to, not you're right. You're 100% not right. to be a G- jerk or anything. But. Well, actually, it's a G310R. Well, well, the funny thing, if you, th- you thought If you look at this here uh, spreadsheet, yeah. it'll tell you clearly that it's the G model. It's a 313cc single Brand cylinder. new bike. Like, still has its, out of, uh, what do you call it? It's little uh, temporary tag. Hmm. Brand, brand, brand new. Freshy. It was sparkly, freshy, freshy. The tire still had little nipplies on them. Um, the bike's still on. The rear wheel's still spinning. So I immediately turn it off and we pick it up off this person and put it on side stand and start talking to the person. And I and I send my coworker off to get some water or soda for them to just kind of hopefully, you know, be able to hydrate. And they're trying to stand up. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. You're at the very least in shock right now and you will pass the fuck out. Don't do it. Just sit down and relax. And I realized they can't hear my voice. I'm like, what's going on? Do you have like earbuds on? You listen to music. So I take my helmet off and I go, hey, what's your name? And they blink really hard and look at me and go, uh, and then they say their name. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to call 911 now because you're clearly not here. You're in a different planet. Nothing is processing at all. And as I'm talking on the phone with 911, twice they ask me, hey, what's happening? Like, why is this happening? Right. What are you doing to me? Right. So <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm right here. I'll stay with you until help shows up. I just want to make sure you're okay. So then help shows up in the form of the biggest, one of those humongous fire trucks that's got rear oh, the steering. Ladder? The ladder? Yeah, the ladder. The ladder the truck. Rear steering. That thing's so cool. Of course, as soon as I see that, a 10-year-old me, 10-year-old me is like, I want to get in that so bad. Can I have a ride? Forget about this person. They're just laying there. Can I have a ride? Um, so, By the way, I think we need to rethink our emergency response system when the ladder truck is the first thing on the scene. Right? So ladder, I will say this much. I hung up with 911 and ladder showed up maybe 45 seconds later. Turns out their station number four was like right around the corner. Yeah. So they show up and then AMR, the ambulance shows up maybe like 15 seconds after them. And then two police cars show up another couple of seconds after that. So on it. the good thing is we're sort of inner Portland. So everything happened very quickly. Yeah. Thanks for responders. Right. Appreciate that. So they all jump out They're you know, doing their thing and they ask me some questions. I answer them for as best as I know. And then like, I don't know this person. I just showed up to it. Yeah. And so um, they start, you know, taking vitals and asking questions and suddenly one of them goes, I think this person's on some kind of a drug. And so they look at the, the you know, the person that's down and go, hey, are you on medication? And they just look at the firefighter and go, ketamine. And all of us were like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so one of the firefighters immediately stands up, looks at us and goes, remember kids, don't do drugs and ride motorcycles. So that's the PSA for the day. Yeah. Remember kids, don't do drugs <laughs> and, and ride motorcycles. In case it needed to be said. Don't take a horse tranquilizer right. and then get on we your mechanical you. horse. <laughs> the thing of it that really, and this is what was confusing to all of us, the bike was not damaged at all. So to me, I thought like that person went into some kind of a shock and then slammed on the brakes and just fell over very, very slowly, which is pretty much what happened. Maybe they OD'd right then and there and you just, you probably just saved a life, bro. Maybe. I hope so. Either way, that that person in the 30 minutes that I was there did not just had zero uh, grasp of what was happening around them. Nothing. And so as soon as they said ketamine, it was like, boom, boom, in and out, quick. Good thing you're just thing. down the hill from a hospital. Right? Yeah. So that was my um, excitement for the day. What have you done on motorcycles lately? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had a cool story until today. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, your story is badass. Um, uh, I got the podcast out last night. You did? Yeah. Sorry about that. It took a while. I'm Listen, I will say this. It's that time of year. Whether you were broken or not, it's that time of year. Shit gets busy really quickly for us. 
between you going to test rides and doing this and doing that and breaking your fucking shoulder and me working, I'm still impressed with the with the rate at which we're recording and putting shit yeah, out. Yeah, I'm less than half speed right now. Like, I didn't do anything today. I didn't get anything done for asphalt and rubber. You were able to put deodorants on. I put, yeah, that was like, today's big thing was like, I, I could shampoo part of my head with my left hand. That was, I haven't been able to do that in you are doing this three weeks. Your head is going to meet your hand halfway. Yeah, I had to meet my hand halfway. <laughs> and then I could I could actually reach over and put the stick of deodorant in my opposite pit, which I haven't been able to do either. Nice. I just so, don't have that so movement. Are you telling me your right pit's been stinky for a week now? Both pits, really. I mean, like... I mean, your left, your right I'm arm just works. now, like, you can actually see it. Like, this is like the most I've opened up my shoulder uh, in a long time. Like, I'm just yeah. now able to open it up, like, like Keeping chicken wing style. there. Real stinky. Um, but it literally day to day, I notice improvement. It's, nice. it's pretty remarkable to see that change and that difference. Like I can mark it every day with something new that I could do that I couldn't do the day before. How long before you do a push up? Uh, the push up, I can do half a push up. The pushing down is fine. It's the pushing back up that's right. that's hard. Does that make sense? That makes no sense. Yeah, the actual push up part sucks. I can do the push up. I can't do the push down. Right. I can't. I contracting of the muscle is what hurts. Yeah. That makes sense. In fact, actually, okay, so we, we skipped over it. I, I raced last weekend. <laughs> because No big deal. Whatever. On a broken I'm, shoulder. No big deal. Dumb. I don't know. Um, is it dumb or is it dedicated? What's the, what's the line here? I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. That's true. I don't think those things are mutually that's, exclusive that's, at all. Yeah. More often than not, that is very much the case. Yeah. In fact, there's probably a lot of overlap between those two, <laughs> those two circles on the Venn diagram. And you did like a two minute and four second lap. Three. Two oh three. Don't rob me. Well, two oh three point eight. Okay. So whatever. Yeah, we're kind of we'll, both we'll, right. Two oh three. That's an impressive lap for like. <laughs> it's okay. Most people at, at the ridge. Most of the people that come do a track day with us and they're at the ridge when they break the two minute barrier, they're like, "Fuck, I broke the two minute barrier." Especially with the chicane. Yeah. Especially with the chicane. So I'm I'm impressed that you were able to do a two three point eight. With a with a non functional left arm, yeah. Um, Did anyone end up behind you? Yeah, every race. God damn it, that's amazing. That, well, I feel bad and about you, that. the problem here is you've learned nothing. <laughs> I <mean>, just <laughs> uh, actually, I did have one guy who finished by me. He was like, "Oh, it was really great following." He probably could have gone around me. He was like, "I really like following you because I could see, I could like see your lines." Like you taught someone, yeah, uh, you know. So maybe he picked something up from that, which is good. That's amazing. Um, but, 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 I mean. So uh, a race winning time is like that weekend was like 157, 156. I don't know if someone did a 155. Um, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, but they had both shoulders though. They had both shoulders. Um, what a loser. I should say the ridge has been repaved. Great grippy asphalt, nice. new curbs. I mean, it is. It will be one of the premier tracks in America in a couple of years time. I'm a big fan of that track. It's it's very close to probably being the best track in the West Coast. And it's it's nicely located. It's in a good spot. It's not terribly far from Seattle. It's only a two and a half hour drive from Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Olympia is is pretty close. Which There's is a federal pretty... penitentiary right there. Is it a federal? It's something. There's a prison there. There's a there's some kind of there's a, some sort of thing there's there. There's some kind of a thing with walls an and airport. barbed wires. But it's not far from Olympia, which is big enough that you could like get a hotel. Right. Um and like they're putting a lot of work in their facility. Uh, the track has definitely they've they've done a bunch of runoff and added some spots that were nice. a little um, paved over some spots that were a little sketchy. And uh, I think it's going to look really good come Moto America time. It looks like the garages will be done by by then. I'm excited about the garages because the, as they explained it to me on track days, you can rent those garages out 
for I think like a hundred dollars a day. And for motorcycles, you can allow they'll allow two motorcycles, and then for cars, one car. I thought it was four bikes for some reason. They they told me via email too, so maybe okay. they've changed their minds since. But whatever, that's, that's still, still not a bad deal for fifty bucks a pop without having to bring. You don't have to bring your own pop up tent and all that stuff. Yeah, you got there's a nice power garage. in there. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I could I can get into it. Uh, so yeah, so track's amazing, really grippy. Uh, I think I think fast guys are doing one fifty. Let's say one fifty six. Let's just hedge our bets between yeah. fifty five and fifty seven. And then I think a podium, getting on the podium, you'd have to do probably a sub two. You can probably get away with a 159. And then there's fast people doing twos, two a ones-ish. And then there's a pretty big gap all the way back. But yeah, two or three is not a bad. It's not bad. Uh, I didn't start there. Uh, what was your worst lap? Uh, the worst lap I saw was a 220. Um, so I didn't. That's a solid B group pace. Yeah. I mean, gosh. I mean, I was in traffic and stuff, but no, that was so traffic so, holding Jensen up with a broken arm. That's my so, favorite part of this. So the whole the whole plan was I did so last last. In fact, it was really cool editing last episode because I could hear it in my voice and hear us talking about it. Like I got super poopy. I was in a dark place um, around the time we recorded the last episode, episode sixty two, because I was super depressed. I was yeah. super depressed over the fact that this thing that we've been talking about on this podcast, like ad nauseum for the last oh, six months, I just kind of like gone up in smoke within yeah. not even three laps of that's like a gut riding. check, man. So it was really sucks. Like I'm a very goal oriented person. I had my mind set on what I was going to do. I was going to go do this thing, and I was going to succeed at it. And shh, quiet battery charger, quiet. We get it. You're charged. You don't have to tell us. Green light. Um, I was very, you know, focused on on achieving this goal, and uh, I did a pretty good job of screwing that up um, pretty quickly. And um, one of the things that got me out of that funk, well, I mean, there's a couple things. One of which was I got so many phone calls and so many emails and so many texts from listeners, from right. readers, from fellow racers, from friends. Like that was that was fantastic. Um, there's definitely someone, there's more than one person listening to this podcast right now who is responsible for getting me out of the funk. So thank you very much. And then I started looking at like the results and last round, it was very rainy and the points were, it was like, it was like, you know, communist Russia. We were spreading the wealth. Yeah. You weren't really on a day where there was people that were just murdering it. No one, no one took home a no. hoarding of points. Everyone got a little bit of something, right? So the points are all evenly distributed. And I started looking at that math and I started looking at like expected values for results for the rest of the year and who was going to go well where and, and how many points that would be and all these things. And I started looking at them like, you know, I think I think the one C plate will be about a 400 point thing. I think you need to score about 400 points to win the club championship. Okay. Uh, the classes probably 200 points thereabouts and you can score uh 50 points a class or sorry 51 yeah 50 points a class per round and then our club championships your best two combined classes uh, whatever those happen to be um so i was like you know i've got five rounds left i'm looking at the points and i think it's only going to be like like if you did a perfect score, you'd only need four rounds kind of deal. Like, mm -hmm. like that's kind of doable. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to out there and win every race, but I think there's some races I'm, I'm very strong in. And there's a couple of races where I can, I can podium and I'm looking at those kind of points. I was like, you know what? Like, this isn't crazy. It isn't crazy to think that if I get back on the bike, I could have a chance. I need, I need to do extremely well. 
and I probably need to get lucky on on some other people. I'm kind of having like, you know, is, is someone going to have a mechanical? Is someone going to have a crash? Is someone going to have a bad day where they missed the call and they have to start from pit lane? So that's mm-hmm. going to cost them a couple places. You know, like no one runs a perfect season. You know, maybe this could work out and like, but it'll be close. And 10 points or eight, eight points was, that's where I was starting at. Eight points could make the difference. Like, like all the math that I was running, like it was like within five points. Hmm. So I'm sitting there going like, well, eight points, eight points is literally showing up, circulating. That's the bare minimum. So I should also back up like this, this round at the Ridge because it's hosted by Wormra, the Washington Motorcycle Road Racing Association. It's a joint round with OMRA, the mm-hmm. Oregon club. Uh, warmer rounds are a little different. They run a slightly different schedule. So instead of six middleweight races, we have three and everything's double points. Wow. So it's kind of this perfect situation of, I wouldn't have to run that many sessions, run that many races. The points are doubled. Um, and the minimum points you get for finishing a race is four. So just by showing up and gritting and circulating, I can get eight points a race. And I was like looking at the math and I was like, that might be eight points I need at the end of the season. So let's, let's figure out if I can do this. And I go down the garage and I get on the Kramer. No, I wasn't on the Kramer. Kramer's at Alex and Hannah's. I got on the uh, Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I can, I can hold my body weight up. Like I can move my arms into a motorcycle riding handlebar position. And I get like, I kind of crouch and, and do like the, the thing. I'm like, okay, I can move my elbows around like this. This could be doable. So we go and we can do it. And I didn't really tell anyone because I didn't want to try and stop me because it's dumb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, first first session out. Uh, I, I was I was skipping practice. What am I what am I going to practice? I was just like I'm just going to do qualifying on Saturday. Yeah. I got one race Saturday, two races Sunday. That's it. That's four sessions. Just got to survive. Got a whole weekend of practice ahead of you. Yeah, and I also wanted to see in qualifying where I stacked up because if it was too slow or too unsafe, then that becomes a thing for my fellow racers. That's, that's no, no bueno. So I was like, I really was like, I really need to do like a, a decent qualifying time to make this be okay. Right. And yeah, like first session I go out first lap, I look down, it's like two twenty, two twenty four maybe I'd have to look at my, my lap timer. It's, it's not here at my house, but, um, not a good time. And I started picking up the pace and I'm noticing like I can turn really well. I can I can get off either the bike, direction either direction I can hang off the bike <clears throat> almost no issue wow where I have a ton of problems is on the brakes yeah. I can't Again, carry that push up yeah that push up I, I I cannot carry as much weight nearly as much weight as I thought I could and you start thinking about it and you're like oh yeah I guess you do kind of pull like close to like a G when you're when you're braking really hard you're braking about a G 1.2 G's so that's like a thing um and the thing with the Kramer the tank's so narrow that I can't squeeze the tank with my legs to hold my weight like I was thinking I could. Huh. So that was really hard because then that makes my braking distance like twice as long as it should be, which is just, you know, I'm sure the first person behind me that saw that got, got spooked a little bit. Yeah, but, but you're, you're pretty notorious for braking late. I've ridden with you, and you, you hit the brakes so much later than anybody else. That's, that it, that's, my, that's the weapon. That's what right. the Kramer does better than anyone else is, is brake late, and um, I've developed that brake package a lot. So, yeah, I'm sure it was a surprise for some people. I was definitely like maybe twice, like like two hundred percent the distance, yeah, um, or one hundred fifty percent. I just kind of screwed that math out of my head. <laughs> it was pretty far. It was pretty far. Let's leave it at that. Um, and so I think I do, we get through qualifying and qualifying stuff because like I can't break hard, I can't react quickly, 
So I'm trying to stay away from people and then there's traffic and I can't really like get through the traffic because the only thing in my head is like, if you crash, like you might not be able to open like jars ever again, <laughs> which would be a tragedy. Um, so I think I qualified with a 215. Wow. Which is okay. I mean, that's, that's not a great time, but it's, it's faster than some people. I wasn't, I didn't qualify last. Let's put it that way, Shane. Um, and then we go out. And so then I'm like, once I'm in my leathers, I'm in my leathers. Like I'm only doing that once per day. Cause that's, well, that was kind of the thing you and I talked about. Cause I remember watching you trying to put your brace on yeah, and you were having a real hard time with that. I'm like, how the fuck are you going to get in your yeah. suit again? Every day and you said, I just got to take it off once or put it on once and take it off yeah. once. That's it. Yeah. And it, yeah, you could feel it. Uh, but now like, it's funny, like day by day, like now the brace is no issue. Um, so first race is middleweight GP. Um, I'm like third from the back or second from the back, whatever it is. Um, I don't, I don't need to give like the whole race report, but I, I did okay. I did a two Oh eight. Uh, I was able, I got lucky with some crashers. I passed uh, one or two people. Where'd you end up in the pack? Uh, I mean, I'm still at the back. Uh, I finished 11th, I believe out of 16, okay. 15, right. I don't know, 18. I think there was 19. I think all the races had about 18 or 19 people entered. I'm not sure how many actually they started. Actually showed up, right? Um, I know we lost one guy because he had a crazy medical thing the night before. I hope he's doing okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, I finished 11th. So, the goal was to get eight points. I got 10. Nice. Like, all right. That's, all right. That's more than I was expecting. Yeah. Right on. Um, sleep. Do the thing. Wake up in the morning. Wake up with an epiphany. Which I'm is? Like, I'm like, what I really need is something that I can brace my knees against while I'm breaking so I can carry my weight in my body through my legs instead of my arms. I just imagine your bike's got these fat pads on the tank right now. Yeah, well, not quite, but that was a, that was a thought too. Because like, like when I'm hitting the brakes, I'm literally just feeling my whole shoulder just oh, rip gosh. apart. Oh, God. Uh, like ghost in the shell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where she's trying to get the, the tank, tank doors up. On, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels That's like. That's exactly what I was envisioning. Yeah. Um, that not a, not a great feeling. Not fun. Uh, and so like we're sitting there and we're looking at my bike. And we're like, how can we, can we put something on my leathers? Can we put something on the bike? I forget who came up with it, but we're looking at the frame slider. The Kramers have these frame sliders that's on a plate that mounts to three points on the frame. Okay. And I can't, I was, and like, we're looking at it. I'm like, yeah, I just need like a fist distance between the slider and my knee. I need some sort of pad. Like, what can we put on my leathers or this slider that can close that distance? And then we realized there's a bolt right there. That's the exact distance that I wanted to be at. And sure enough, it's the same bolt size that holds the frame slider. So we just take the, the bolt off the plate, put the frame slider on it with the bolt through there. Boom. I can touch it with my knees when I'm on the brakes. Game changer. I bet. I mean, I had to relearn all my braking markers all over again for like the second time. <laughs> um, but I was like 208s right off the bat, 205s. And then last lap, I did a 2038. And if I probably could have done 201s with clear track and a willingness to crash, like I was barely dragging me on these turns. Like I'm just kind of getting through it. Yeah. Um, if I had been a little bit more like willing to take a risk, I think there's a second or two there, but. Um, totally okay with that. So that was middle, that was 450 Superbike. Um, we did that and got another 10 points. Finished again, finished 11th, got 10 points. And then 
Uh, we're getting ready for our last race of the day, middleweight superbike, and the rain just comes down. Oh, and I mean it. It red flags the race that's out there because they're all on slicks. Oh yeah, and they give us like thirty minutes to get our bikes ready. You know, call and I'm in my leathers and like we're all like we've already warmed up our bikes and everything. We're already ready to go. And I'm sitting there and I was running Pirelli Super Corsa SPs. I was running street tires. Because again, I'm sitting there going like, I don't think I'm going to do a pace that's yeah, fast enough fast for slicks. Fast enough for proper slicks. Not to mention, it's freezing fucking cold out here. Uh, it was in the 40s in the morning. Wow. It's like 60s during the afternoon. It's cloudy. It's rainy. It's a little drizzly. Like, I'm expecting cold situations. I was like, this tire is like probably the perfect tire for this. And so I'm sitting there going like, I'm in street tires. Street tires can go in the rain. Oh, you did not. I'm like, how many? When I'm looking at the points, I'm like, how many points do I need? How many points is going out? Who's going out? How many, how many points? I'm like doing like the math in my head. And Alex and Hannah are like, no, we're not going out. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> uh, Austin's not here. Okay. Uh-huh. Nathan, Nathan's going out. Okay. Okay. Nathan's going. Drat, drat, drat's going out. Okay. Okay. How many points is that? All right. All right. And I'm trying to figure out how many points are on the table and who's going out and doing all the mental math. And you can just see like Hannah's eyes getting wider because it's like five minute call. She's watching you like three minute call. She's watching you process. And I haven't taken my leathers off. Oh. She's like, she's like, Jensen, maybe we should get you out of those leathers. And I'm like, no, 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 no hey, buddy, I'm, good, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Honest to God, believe that woman would have laid down in front of my bike to prevent I me think from she going out. I mean, it is, it is <laughs> raining cast and all. It's not like it's like rained and it stopped raining and the track's just oh, wet. Oh man. It is still deluging rain onto the course. I think four riders went out. I'm not even sure one of them was in our class. Uh, there's well, there's five riders total. One was um a different wave. He was a classic superbike, classic superbike. That kind of sounds right. But there was like one guy went out like a Ninja 400. He's not even in our race class, huh. racing in our class. I'm like, all right, go for it. Just trying um, to get some points. Didn't go out. Didn't go. Out. I but man, did I think about it right until oh, like man. that 30 I can minute see whistle. The look on Hannah's eyes got extra big. I know exactly what that yeah. looks like. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> I mean, man, like. I'm still not entirely sure it was the right decision because I'm sitting there going like, because I talked to the race direction. I was like, all right, let's talk about um, a rider comes in and sits in hot pits. Still technically on the race course. Like I'm trying to figure out like the bare minimum I can do yeah. without getting a DNS. sit here and get rained on for a minute? Yeah. And like, you know, I kind of worked it out like, all right, I got to do, I don't have to do the outlap. I can start from pit lane. So I do one lap. I can, I can come in. And then if I go back out, when the white flag goes out and cross the finish line, I basically end up doing like two laps. Right. I do a racing lap and I do the out lap to come back in. And I'm still sitting there going like, yeah, I don't know, man. Because like the frame sliders where they were, if the bike crash, you're probably going to bend the frame. Oh, yeah. Uh, my shoulder, the way it is, Forget if it. I crash, I'm probably going to need surgery. Uh, but eight points. Eight points when no one else is getting any points. <laughs> I mean, I'm, like I thought about those eight points the entire drive home. I guarantee. I, I, I'm still. I still think about them, and I still like. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't change anything for me in the championship unless like I crash or do poorly in one of the other classes. Because the, the upside for for the where I am for the for the one C is, I get to pull points from the best two of my three classes, so I can hang have a class where I don't score a lot of points. It right. really doesn't affect me. But now I've like kind of made that class happen. So I don't know. I think the good news is you've got six weeks ahead of you now. Four. Oh, it is? I thought it was six weeks to the next race. Ooh, excuse me. Ooh, what was that? I like, that was, a, that was, a, I was like, hmm. too much Diet Coke. Don't do ketamine and Diet Coke at the same don't time. Don't do Diet Coke and ride motorcycles, kids. I thought I had six weeks as well, 
but let's look at it. one, two, three. No, I have exactly four weeks. Okay, so let's ask this question. Yeah. What and 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 I think this is sort of an important topic that maybe doesn't get talked about as often. What is your mental game plan? How are you going to psych yourself into writing a hundred percent four weeks from now? Uh, Can there's, you? There's no tomorrow. Um, I, I the points tally like the point situation I created to get me out of this funk basically on the operates on the idea that I win every race that I enter. Right. Um, so, I mean like that's, that's just nutty just to think about in the first place. Like you got to have like an ego and a half to think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, they've made movies about these scenarios. So, you know, I'm expecting like that is, I would have to flowers and champagne and 24 races in a row. You got this. Uh, the upside (laughs) is the next two rounds we do are at Portland on the chicane, which, I do very well at. Okay. Uh, we didn't get to race it last year, but in my novice year, uh, I was three tenths off a lap record, and the bikes got yeah, it's at a little least more ten, now. at least ten more horsepower than it did before, and right. I think the rider is a better rider. Uh, for some reason, breaking a collarbone means I've lost ten pounds. I mean, I'm literally just you know, when I saw you weight. last week, I was like, dude, you lost weight. What's going I'm on? I'm shedding weight. I'm dropping weight like a pound every two days. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, but I'm trying to stay active and I'm not eating a ton and I'm just trying to grow bone and <laughs> grow bone, grow bone. <laughs> How about somebody throw me a bone? Yeah. Um, throw Jensen a bone. But the mental, the mental side of it is, um, I just went and did something really hard and, and it went okay. And four weeks from now, that's six weeks after the crash. I'm on the early side of being recovered. Okay. Uh, six to eight weeks to repair, to repair a bone. So the the mental head fuck of like i could really hurt myself is is certainly a lot less i mean i think that is there regardless yeah it comes back to like the default number of right. of like worriedness which for me is bizarrely low um but i just have a low you know self perseverance sort of thing but well, like yeah i mean the mental the mental side of it's like i i have no tomorrow i have no like in the points in the championship like i have to win races mm-hmm. uh i can survive one crash in the points i can't survive two and then it, it really depends on like which class to some extent i was actually just doing some math totals before you came over i can actually lose two classes and still win the club championship which is bizarre hmm. um so like there's some wiggle room where like i can i can win in portland and lose in washington and still kind of come out okay if certain things happen but like at the end of the day like you don't want to be on the side, we were relying on other things from other people to, to, to determine your destiny. So like my best way of controlling my result on this is, is doing well. And that means pushing 100. That means being uh, in the best shape that I can get myself in mm-hmm. while broken to get ready for these next two rounds to make sure the bike is as good as it can be to, you know, have my program as good as it can be to like, I'll do the track days before the races. I'll, I'll, I want to, I've got, I've got a plan. I'm, I've got some ideas on things to work on and things to try. Um, I've got a couple track days and a press launch before then to, to work on some stuff. Um, but all I can do is like sit on that starting line and do 100, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know I have to win races. I know like if someone goes around me, I need to attack them back. There, there's such a bigger, such a big difference between a racer's mindset and a track day rider's mindset because a lot of times when we see people go down on a track day, people that don't race, 
you see them sort of reset their head a little bit and say, okay, I have to slow down. I have to take it easy. This is not that important. I am just here having fun. Sure. And it's not worth me losing X, Y, Z. Whereas in a racer's mindset, it's like, no, I have a goal. And the goal is to do best at these classes to get the max amount of points so that I can win a championship. And so I think that's kind of an important thing to differentiate for some people because if you're racing, uh, you know, I think it's important to get your head in the game and say, okay, the thing happened and I'm going to make myself as physically and mentally as fit as possible and move forward with it. I think the physically fit part is very tangible. The mentally fit part is sort of not. And so I was wondering if you had sort of a plan or is your plan just to forge forward and say, fuck it, this is just, you know, another day. Yeah, I think... I think part of it is I crashed for a very specific reason in the sense that it was a wet track. It was rain tires. It was, I was offline. It was a day that a lot of people crashed. Like yeah. that happened in a very specific sense. And and I'm operating on the idea that we're not going to have another rainy <laughs> race weekend, which maybe it's going to be true in the summer, but you know, we, we race it literally like the last week of September. I mean, yeah. flip a coin if that's dry or wet. I mean, that could I could be doing all the math in the world, and oh, yeah. like September could roll around and just actually I'm at the most detriment if it rains because I need as many people to show up and have as many racers so I can get the points because yeah. our our points are determinant on how many people start a race. Interesting. Um, and I need as many opportunities to gain points back. So I mean, it's I, I know what you're saying with the hang up. Like a great example would be Portland. A lot of people crash in turn three. Right. So you go on a track day, you low side in turn three, and then probably for a lot of track days coming after that, you'll probably tiptoe through yep, turn just three. As slow as possible. You know, just because it through it. it's just that's that's that thing. Like maybe you don't understand why you crashed there or you were on the limit and you're like, okay, the limit's somewhere over there and I need to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the process. I didn't that wasn't my crash. Um if I if I had a crash in turn three, then yeah, I would probably get a little spooked going through turn three. But I crashed in the rain because it was really wet and slippery. And I still blame conditions. The goose, shit. goose poop for sure. Uh, I don't know if I blame goose poop. I think I think I was offline, and I think the the track was pretty green. And yeah, the uh, goose poop. I think I got a bike with a lot of torque, <laughs> <laughs> and I gave in it. I mean, like a bike doesn't crash by itself, so like it, it was one hundred percent me. Yeah. You know, plenty of people got through that turn and it didn't crash. So, you know, it is what it is. The thing for me is, uh, I think the biggest differentiation between a racer and a track day person is how easily you give up or how easily you're willing to, to throw in the towel and call it quits Mm -hmm. because of how hard it's going to get. Um, and that's kind of where I was, you know, a week ago, a little over a week ago. Um, cause I was sitting there, I was like, I was ready to give up on the season. I was like, I've crashed. My collarbone's broken. I'm not going to race round two. My season's over. Like maybe, maybe I race for fun. Maybe I race for trophies. Maybe mm-hmm. I race for a couple lap records. I really think I can get a chicane lap record. Um, I was so close my novice year and I know, I know everything is better. My bike's better. The rider's better. Uh, I have plenty of more opportunities on the course. Like that could be cool, but that's not, that's not what I, my main objective was. No. And I think the difference was coming out of that funk and be like, okay, I reject that outcome. I don't, I don't accept that as reality. Let's work the problem. And I think that's the next step. It's like, do you want to quit? Uh, 
and and like have your tantrum and pack up your toys and and go home and be like my day was done i had a shitty day i had a bad track day right. i had a bad race day nah which like that's fair like i'm not like putting anyone down for doing that but the difference is is like nope okay i gotta have my i can have my pity party but now it's over i can go get eight points i can i can suck it up with the pain uh, i'm not taking any any medicine for the pain by the way i can just suck it up get so you it don't done want any ketamine you got you got a guy who got some ketamine um but like i can suck it up for 20 minutes on a saturday and 40 minutes on a sunday and and you know get in and out of my leathers once and get those <laughs> eight points and then work my fucking tail off on the other races and not give up on the stream i'm not i'm not done with it yet and i think that's the difference where it's like you know it's that same thing where um um, you know, I think about this is not anywhere near like close, but that movie, what was it, 127 hours, 128 hours? Yeah, the guy in the desert. Yeah, I remember reading that on CNN, and I was like, yeah, that that's a guy that didn't want to die. Yep, that was a guy that didn't like that. Maybe I could totally understand. Hey, I got my Bye arm. <laughs> yeah, my arm is stuck in a rock. I'm totally stuck here. I'm just gonna die. I'm just gonna die here and starve. Game over. Maybe maybe you end your own life so you don't have the misery. Right. Like, I can totally understand that. But those are dudes like, nope, nope, no, I'm going to live. I reject the, this is my demise. I'm going to cut my fucking arm off of my Leatherman and mountaineer my shit out of the <laughs> desert and be a fucking badass. Um, and it's just like, it's just getting into that mode where it's like, okay, you've had an, you've had an, uh, an adversity, climb over that adversity and, and, and power through, or you can just give up. You know, you have that choice. Yeah. And, you know, it's up to you which one you want to do it. And um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with, with this whole thing. Uh, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to go win a championship now, but, like, I'm looking at the points, and I'm like, it's going to be hard. The possibility's still there, though. It's not crazy, but it's going to be hard. Yep. Um, you got, can do it. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll see what happens. Check back in, like, four shows. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this conversation is not over. Maybe maybe three if we're not so good about getting them out every week. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I like, I like how you're promising four shows between now and then. I know. I'm into it. I'm into it. Here's one. We're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. Um, so yeah, that's 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 where that's at. Uh, fuel test is hopefully happening soon. That's the other thing. I need, I need to do the fuel test so I can order the fuel I'm going to use for the rest of the season. I don't know what that is. I found a fifth fuel. A fifth fuel. I'm gonna go call someone about tomorrow. Have you ever heard of paralysis by analysis? I just think it's cool. There's just like <laughs> just a lot of cool fuel out there. Uh, it's such an interesting. I mean, like, I think fuel is probably one of the most underestimated aspects. Like, all everyone buys like, I got this exhaust. I yeah. got this power People commander. Just assume you put the liquid in the tank and the I thing fires that. up. I got and all you do the thing. thing. I got all these. I got these little. I got these velocity stacks and I got the, the slipper glide. <laughs> like. The easiest way to make your bike perform better on the racetrack is the race fuel. I mean, it's expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as like, what's a, what's a Panigale V4 exhaust installed now? Full system. You're probably tickling $7,000. $7,000. Yeah. That's like 70 cans of race gas. <laughs> that's a lot of race that's gas. That's a lot of race, a lot gas. Of race gas. That's uh, what? 350 gallons that's of fuel. A, that's I'm all about the return on the investment. And I think if you really want your bike to perform better, exhaust is cool and all, but what you need is some lighter wheels, some better fuel. Just manage that shit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, and I always see, I see some racers like 
putting fuel in that I know that's not a very high performance fuel. I'm like, mm. but still costs a lot. I'm like you're spending 80 bucks. What is it? It's not 80 bucks a gallon. It's like 80 bucks for five gallons, which is what was that? Many dollars. $23, whatever it is. I can't do it in my head. <laughs> um, but like when you're spending 20 plus dollars a gallon on fuel, like does it really change if it's 20 or 25? Does it really 30? Like the really expensive fuel is like 30 bucks a gallon. Dang. And like the not so expensive fuel is like 19. Huh. So you're kind of like, you're already spending a lot of money on fuel. I wonder what people's uh, hang you, is on that. You, do you think, do you think it's truly money or is it some kind of a belief that that fuel has been working for them? And I think, I think they underestimate the importance of fuel. There are some more exotic fuels that are just nasty. Like you're just like, yeah, I'm going to put that like MR12. You put MR12 in your motor, it's going to eat your motor up eventually. Like we saw it on mine. Like my, my intake is just totally pitted huh. or not my intake, my exhaust, my exhaust parts were just totally pitted from the fuel, just oxidizing the aluminum and eating it out and doing nasty, What's crazy side more power. The upside was like 17% more horsepower. Oof. So you gotta, you got a little give and take. If you want more power, you got to give a little bit you of motor. pay to play baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I can understand like maybe not running like MR 12, but U four is a totally good fuel. Hmm um there's some other options out there that i'm testing the secrets away here jensen i don't think there's any secrets there everyone's everyone's running vp vp is like the 800 pound gorilla i think there's some cool options outside of vp and that's what i'm researching i wonder if that one is just the most readily available one it is what it does and they do a good job marketing and it's more available and yeah you know that blue people know know exactly what it looks like yeah and like they're the spec fuel for moto america so there's part of that i mean like it's some people run... Um, it's the Kleenex brand of motorcycle fuels. <laughs> Some people run Avgas, which is kind of funny. It's a leaded fuel. It's like 110 octane wow. that you get at the airport for like four bucks a gallon. It's not a bad option. Some people run like ethanol That's a free. cheap option. It's not bad if you don't if you want to run a leaded fuel. Hmm. Yeah, it's not bad. You're not going to make like a ton of horsepower, but it's not bad. It's got the octane to, to protect your motor. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. There's lots of there's lots of weird little things that people do. I'm always just very curious. I'm like, oh, C12. That's like sixteen dollars a gallon, eighteen dollars a gallon. It's like three times C4. What? Yeah. So that's interesting. Some people fun, say fun it's times. the bomb. So we're like an hour into the show. We haven't talked about anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I got? I got you have a lot of feelings. You're trying to you're trying to yeah. work through your feelings, Jensen. This is important talk. I feel like we've been teasing the Suzuki Hayabusa launch. That's probably not the next show, but the one after it. I don't know. Can I go? I mean, you can. I don't know if they're going to let you ride. Damn it. Um, can Ann go? Again. She wants it real bad. I mean, maybe Ann and I just go and we just <gasps> have a good time. You got. You should take her. She would be so, <laughs> she would be on cloud nine. She'd be at a press launch with Hayabusa's. <laughs> can't see Ann really enjoying Salt Lake City, though. Uh. She actually thinks it's a really cool city. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But I'm weird, so. Well, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. You're both weird. It is one of those things, like, everywhere you look in that city, there's a mountain range behind you. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I got here, I think we're going to get an early taste of the Pirelli Rosso 4. Ooh. I think they're sending us Four some. already. I wow. got to talk to you about. So, can I borrow Hyper Motard? I probably will have a demo one. You got a demo? I probably will. We're we're selling through them so quickly. This is a this is the thing I want to talk about later. Okay, because because I need a selling through stuff thing. They wanted me to find out what size. I was like, I don't really want to put them on my Street Fighter because why? I just don't think that's the greatest bike to test it on. I mean, like it's a it's a street tire. 
and I still want to use my street fighter on the track for track days oh. which isn't like i mean i, I definitely know like if it's anything like the rosa 3 you can do track days on it but you can put it on my aprilia we could do that um but i was thinking hyper motard because the spec tire on the hyper motard is the rosa 3 this is how i'm gonna and get then, you to buy a new hyper motard i know right and then i can do a, a comparison back to back sure you can borrow one jensen <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. I want to let them know to give me the the one eighty then. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is like just like that KTM. I was just talking about that today. Actually, it's Alex's birthday today. Happy birthday, Alex! Yeah. So I, I, sent was, him a, I sent him a very questionable text message. Oh, very he hasn't answered back yet. Very questionable. <laughs> but we were we were, we were having a chuckle about the um, the KTM six ninety SMC, and I was like, "Yep, yeah, I came really close to buying that." You did come really close. Really I've close. never seen you so nervous. I'll tell you what. I could tell you're gonna. You were close to buying it because you were starting to get like a just nervous tick around it. I was thinking as much about going out on that rainy track as I was about buying that KTM. (laughs) Just like that's pretty strong. I could do it, but I'm just not sure I'm gonna gonna like it afterwards. I just don't know. I think I might regret this, but I could do it. I don't know. The fact is, you're still talking about that KTM. So here we are. Um, you know what I do want to talk to you about? What? Livewire becomes the sub brand. You know we saw that coming. I don't know we if I did see that coming. No, we sort of talked about it though, because we talked about them <clears throat> subbranding these the series one. Serial one. Excuse me, serial one. Super serial one. I think um, that was the worst mistake they've ever made. I don't know about the worst mistake they've though? ever made. That's it's a thing. bad choice in my decision. I know, but they're trying to differentiate that crew from the quote unquote typical Harley Davidson buyer. Sure. But let me explain this. Let me let me ask you this. Or I don't know if I'm asking you a question or anything. I'm just probably saying words. Tell me. Tell me your feelings. Serial one, your electric bike manufacturer. Congratulations. You yeah. are now one of like 8 billion options in the electric bike, yeah. e-bike market that is booming. Well, but how many major brands are out there? Tons. Are they really? Uh, every major brand has an e-bike offering, if not multiple. Right, right. But my point is there is not that many more bicycle major brands out there. Oh, yeah, there is. Are you kidding me? Specialized, Giant, Trek, Santa Cruz, uh... Bianchi. I mean, there's, there's, there's just billions. Okay, but I really think there's maybe like twenty or thirty max. I mean, it's more than than motorcycle brands. I mean, like everything's more than motorcycle brands. There's, there's a ton of electric bikes, and then you have all the small, like that whoever Ducati's partnered with. Here's where I'm going. All these other ones. There are more bicyclists than there are motorcyclists. Yeah. So it makes sense why there's more of them. And if you're going to, I think, if you're going to successfully sell this thing, you you can't necessarily arm a dealership a motorcycle dealership with the right equipment to sell this thing correctly because i'm here to tell you as a motorcycle dealership the idea of bringing a bicycle in because it is an option for us remember ducati's got them too yeah it's it's sort of a you have to look at it and go okay how can i do this correctly to give the proper experience well that means now bicycles gear yeah proper mechanics for it so there's a whole onslaught of things that come along with it that is far enough removed from what you're selling that it doesn't it almost doesn't make sense and so we kind of saw that with harley simply putting you know different tool sets on the v-rod and it being such a pain in the dick at the dealerships to the point where it sort of became like this hated stepchild of harley so i can almost see why they did it but i also understand your point of it probably be more successful to the harley rider if that bike was there but i I don't know that they're necessarily going after a harley rider i think i think i think everything you just said is absolutely true and that's why it's a bad idea (laughs) because because at the end of the day like like my bike shop across the street they're not going to pick up harley davidson as a line yeah a serial one 
and and that's the thing like without the Harley Davidson name on it their bikes are just one of many e-bikes another that are out there. E-bike. Yeah, they're just another e-bike. So it's like cool, you took the one thing that differentiated you, the one thing that made you special and you got rid of it. And now you're a serial one. Right. So you're just as weird and bizarre as Fuel, which is Eric Buell's e-buying company that I just uh, that's got. Fuel. Fuel. <laughs> and and you just sit there and like I'm like, "Okay, cool. Like Eric Buell, you made an, ele- an electric bicycle." But no one in the e-bike realm knows who Eric Buell is, yeah, no idea so we is. don't care. And your bike looks like every other. I'm going to say it looks like every other. Like I don't. It's a little different as as only Eric can. So be. it's your idea that because everybody in the world knows what Harley Davidson is as a marquee, that they should they should have used that name to their advantage. I think that was the only thing that was going to make those bikes sell. Like it's the same thing like with Ducati, right? Like like the only reason like I actually really like Ducati's e mountain bike option. I think it looks really cool. The only reason like it's even on my radar is because it's a Ducati bike and I've talked to Claudio about it and I've seen it in the press launches and they send me shit. I'm like, oh, that's a cool looking bike and it's got the Ducati colors mm-hmm. and that's it's interesting. As well. It's the same thing. Like, did you know KTM makes a fuck ton of bikes? A fuck ton. Do you know that Triumph does? None. You know why? Because, well, one, their dealers don't carry them, but two, it's like, because they're just like all the other bikes yeah. that are out there and Trek and Specialized and Santa Cruz and Bianchi and blah, blah. I mean, I can just rattle off names mm. for you all day long. They all have their dealerships lined up. They already have their channels done up. I don't need, like, Kona. Like, my my bike dealer that I bought my bike from was the only, like, all they carried was Kona. Mm. That was their jam. Like, you're not going to get into that that one bike shop in Santa Barbara. You're not going to get into the guy across the street. I mean, he's, he's specialized door to door. Yeah, no I one's going to be like, oh, I want to be the Harley Davidson only e-bike shop. Well, one, you're like completely unproven in this realm. And like, there's no name recognition. Like, oh, Harley Davidson e-bike. Oh, that's weird. Is that like the, the Ford F-150 Harley Davidson edition? <laughs> or I could just get that track that Lance Armstrong I won. I think Harley Davidson is probably the only motorcycle brand that is so well known and regarded around the world that could probably n- name their e-bike the Harley Davidson Serial 1. But that's the thing. It does not. It doesn't say Harley Davidson anymore. No, that's what I'm saying. If they had done it, maybe that would work for them. But because they're they're essentially like Kleenex, right? Everybody knows. Yeah. Xerox. Xerox. Ninja. Whatever. Everybody. Everybody knows that there's a word association there. But I think the hard thing would be if they put that at a Harley dealership. Most of the Harley people are going to look at and go, "Need a bicycle." Not really give a fuck about. So now, how do you bring non Harley motorcyclists to (laughs) to come? Oh no, I'm sorry, non Harley bicyclists. To come to a Harley dealership to buy a Harley Davidson bicycle. See, I don't know if I agree with that because when I go into Harley Davidson dealership, I see all sorts of bullshit with Harley Davidson logos on it that have nothing to do with motorcycling. That like it's just Harley Davidson merchandising. Yeah, but so like Harley, those are T-shirts. People buy that kind of shit just to say they've been to that spot. That's people bought a, a fucking truck because it had a Harley Davidson logo on. Totally it. Totally agree with you, but that's a major brand truck. That was a Ford. Sure, that wasn't some startup Rivian Harley Davidson. That's edition, fair. That's right? fair. So I think that's that's what I'm saying. I think you need to have the ability to have enough pull. And if you simply put a bicycle in a Harley dealership, I don't think, and, and I don't know the answer to this. I don't know what the the silver bullet is. Maybe it's just direct to consumer. Maybe they should have just done Harley Davidson e-bikes and just advertise the shit out of it and then just do direct to consumer on these things. Maybe. I just I just look at them like they made a big stink about this. They made it a whole sub-brand. They did a right. whole thing. And then they spun it out without the Harley Davidson name. And you're like, okay, so what's special about it? Serial one. Like, how is I supposed to know? How am I supposed to know that's Harley it Davidson? It's so now? stinking handsome. It's probably my favorite looking Harley Davidson right now. 
I don't even know if I know Like, it that. looks like an old uh, board track racer. Oh, really? You like this shit? I think it looks good. I like that classic style. See, I look at this and like, there's nothing special about this. I'd, I'd wear, I'd wear some, uh, you know, millennial outfit and get on that thing. There's nothing. There's nothing that. There's nothing special about that. No, oh, that one. Yeah, that one. No, it's the one I saw. Like white tires on it. It looked cool. It looked like an old school. Oh, I think you saw one of the concepts. This is what they're selling. Probably I like concept better than. Um, why don't I have such a problem with concepts not being the thing that came out? Like you made this really cool design exercise and marketing exercise, and everybody said, "Ooh, ah," and then you're like, "Neat, I'm going to erase most of this." Uh, what was it? B King, B King, fuck the most disappointing. God dang it, the coolest concept ever. <laughs> and then it came out. You're like, "What is this? What happened to my supercharger?" Awkward. <laughs> and it's when the B King first came out. The actual one came out. I just thought it was the most awkward design ever nothing really fit nothing was proportionate like the top looked really big and then the exhaust was like this big and the tires were super small compared to it i don't know i didn't like it they they i feel like they missed the idea that everything that was cool about that bike they left off the the production model yep. and it's just like oh so it's just all the other stuff then yeah uh, i don't know, I don't know. We, we, were, we, we were talking about the live wire oh yeah that thing <laughs> So live wire. I, but I have that same issue with the live wire where it's like, okay, like you're going to spin this off into its own electric brand. And like, I kind of get that it's the Harley Davidson's Polestar to Volvo's Harley Davidson or whatever. Yeah. They're seeing some success there, I guess. But like, I'm not sure that's the right play because like what happens in 10 years? But see, you, you what happens in 10 years when every Volvo is electric. I both sides of the argument, and I always wonder the right answer to it. Because if someone does it, then a lot of people go, what the fuck's the point of this? But then if they don't do it and they move on and branch out on their own, that question is, how are you going to succeed at this? Because in a way, you're right. How are you going to let everybody in the world know what a live wire is? For some reason, Volvo's been doing an okay job with it. Because when you look at a Polestar electric car, it's a fucking Volvo. Like, you recognize what it looks like. It's a Volvo. Yeah. There's no two ways. You park that next to a Volvo V70 wagon, and you're like, there's a lot of, there's like 80% similarity here. Whereas the Livewire, it doesn't really look like a Harley necessarily to me. Yeah. I mean, they painted it orange, I guess. It, it's, you know what it feels like to me, Shaheen? It feels like Harley Davidson's like, Harley Davidson's like, hey, here's two ideas that are ideas we don't really like. Something's got to stick. But like, maybe we're just too far along or like, they're good enough that like, we'll make a buck, but let's just stepchild these. <laughs> let's just kind of spin them out in their own little sub brand. Do you think there is We don't like have to acknowledge them anymore. <laughs> it's just like a line item on the, on the sheet now. We're not going to worry about it. And let's get back to making cruisers like we've been doing. So do you think they've hired like a whole new set of like marketing people and design people and said, here's a project. Best of luck. And inside the office, they close the door and go, these guys are totally going to fail. I'm probably going to have to fire them over this. Yeah. But what could what could possibly go wrong here? It's already dying. I feel like it's a silo and it's like a pasture to put a bunch of people and to put a lot of work and a lot of products. Set them up kind of for failure and be like, see, it failed and it died. So can we stop making electric stuff now? I could see the pessimistic view of that. But I also feel like Harley is big enough where they can have this loud voice. I'm sort of watching it happen on the I refuse to call the uh, by its name the dirt glide <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of dirt glide ads and I'm seeing a lot of uh, like um and I'm impressed by seeing this a lot of female writers on them you know on their little ad campaigns and on their you know articles that are coming out by women writer and 
So Harley's inserting themselves in every way possible in every little avenue with that bike to hopefully for it not to fail. We saw the same thing happen when the V-Rod first came out. You kept seeing films about it and, you know, ads about it and people talking about it. And it's the most exciting thing ever. And so I'm wondering, is that going to be the thing? Are they going to try to push this out as much as they can and then just market the shit out of it and hope that it'll do well? I think the 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 dirt clad as you call it is enough in ducati's wheelhouse like it's it's like a bagger to them like i think they look at that and they're like hey it's got panniers on it and everybody drink he said ducati instead of harley did i really you did i didn't didn't even register oh everybody listening just went like this didn't even i'm gonna listen back to this when i edit it didn't even register in my brain wow uh freud was right (laughs) uh (laughs) i don't know how to recover um, but I feel like they put that dirt glide out there and there's right. like, uh, oh, it's, it's close to a bagger. It's, yeah. it's got a screen and panniers and the bar and shield on it. And, and people are going to take it long distances. So it's just kind of like a fucked up cruiser that we, it's a fucked up bagger. Call <laughs> it good. And so I, I feel like they're like, yeah, we'll keep that one around. But then maybe the market's big enough that it makes sense. It is. A, it is a, but I feel like everything market. else that was like on the business plan before that. The, the mini roads business plan. They're just like, nah, get rid of that. <laughs> nah, get rid of that. I mean, I really wonder how many e-bikes that would sell. I mean, in theory for, you know, there being more cyclists globally. Yeah. This thing, I haven't seen what it's priced out at, but I imagine it's got to be somewhere uh, mid-pack. Like three, four grand. So that's, that's mid-pack. I've seen e-bikes go for $9,000. Yeah. You can get a nice one for, so for eight, nine. Yeah. If you're able to get a three or $4,000, hopefully decently made e-bike. Even if it doesn't have the bar and shield on it, I do wonder if it's hidden somewhere. But how many do you think they'll sell of this? They, thing? they say Harley Davidson on like a part of the frame, but it's not like the Harley Davidson logo and name that you you would recognize. It's, it's very modern, very stylish. Okay, but um, I think every motorcycle manufacturer has missed the boat on e-bikes. Like too late. It's a it's a different distribution channel. Mm-hmm. It's a different dealership. It's a different jam. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you maybe some of these deals like. Aprilia in Europe, Piaggio in Europe, Vespa, maybe in the U.S. and and abroad, mm-hmm. maybe they can get away with it because like the scooter buyer is kind of similar to the e-bike rider, but yeah, like, like a fifty cc scooter yeah, buyer. I don't think the motorcyclist is is coming into the dealership expecting the same thing. The only thing I can see like making sense was what Harley Davidson could have done and what Ducati is trying to do, where it's like we've got our own offering. It's really just something that's rebadged. At least right. Ducati's is. I don't right. know about Harley's. I think Harley's actually making their own shit. Um, it's just something that's rebadged. You've seen it in ads. This is where you get it. And you're probably not going to get the dealership experience that you want. No. And you'll probably never come back to that dealer with it. You'll probably go to a bike shop. But that's the thing where it's just like this idea that it's like it's two wheels and it's got a motor and it's transportation, blah, 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 blah. It's like, but you're not that business. You're like motorcycles aren't cars and motorcycles aren't bikes. Right. And like, I'm not going to take my bicycle to a motorcycle dealership. No. And you don't, and you don't expect a motorcycle tech to service a bicycle. No, I mean, as a dealership, so, I would have to hire a whole new tech. You'd have to have all those parts. And, and you have to have enough sales of it to justify that. That's, that's yeah. a whole new set of seri- uh, series of expenses that come along with it. And like, how many am I going to sell? Am I going to sell hundreds of them a year? Because then it would make sense. But I don't know. I don't, I don't personally have enough faith in the idea of it selling that many. And maybe I'm wrong. I'd be curious to hear from our European listeners because it's interesting to me that it's primarily, except for Harley, 
European brands mm-hmm. that are pushing their own, that have their own bicycle lineup. And it's Europe that's currently leading the e-bike movement. I think America's a little slower to the e-bike thing. Or we're, we're probably like five years delayed on it. Like it's probably just, it's just now kind of really we're, coming we're on strong. We're such a car and motorcycle. We are. That's the other part Culture though. But people still ride bikes here. People, you know, still do that thing. And I think. But here it's like a fun exercise thing that you do. Over there people use it as a commuting. Device. Yeah, when I lived in Holland it was the way you commute. But I think it's, I think it can still be an exercise thing. It's one yeah. of those elements where it's like, I'm still going to go ride my bike for two hours. I'm just going to go 80 miles instead of 40 <laughs> right. miles. You know? Um, and that's cool because like I can cover more ground. I can see more shit, but I, I want to know what the dealer buying experience is for an e-bike from a motorcycle manufacturer. I want to know like, how do you buy a Triumph bicycle in Europe? How do you buy a KTM bicycle in Europe? How do you buy a Ducati bicycle in Europe? I think I know about the Ducati, but the other two brands, especially KTM, KTM sells like 20 bicycles. They have like 20 different models. I didn't even know that. I feel ashamed that I didn't know that. Right? (laughs) <laughs> i selfied <laughs> um so i'll be i'll be interesting to see i i don't know how i really feel about this live wire thing it's really interesting to me um they're gonna have a bike come out in like a couple weeks and it might be that really cool little electric flat tracker huh or it could just be like the current live wire just like rebadged to be like the Livewire 1 or whatever they're going to call it. But do you think it'll cost less? Have they said anything about pricing? I haven't said anything. I don't know. I'm very... I don't know that they can keep pushing a $30,000 uh, e-bike that does like 80 or 90 miles. Yeah. I, agree. I still think it looks cool. It's a cool design. It looks cool. It's not as bad on the spec sheet, I think, as you make it sound to be. And if you look at like a comparably equipped zero, like they're within like a few, they're like what five grand between them. I could see like the the Harley Davidson dealer network and Harley Davidson name might be worth some of that delta. I, I know. I still think it's overpriced. I'm right there with you. I, I that bike should have been like twenty grand tops. It, it, and probably what I'm about to say will make some people not very happy. But if they were priced the same, I'd, I'd go for the Harley every day. I would too. I mean, just just from the fact that I don't think zero's going to be around for much longer. <laughs> Um, and just like everything I've ever touched from zero seems to fall apart and zero's whole general lack of being cool with journalism and stuff like that. Um, that's a whole nother. Are they doing the thing where they want you only say nice things about them also? Oh, I've, I've literally been taken off their press list three times, (laughs) which is just, just hilarious. Stop being a truth teller, Jensen. But just hilarious. Like really, you're going to remove me for the third time. What, what happened the first two times that you were thought wasn't going to happen the third time? Like, I just don't know how you, how did you expect a different outcome? Keep doing what you did and expect different outcomes. It's called insanity, I believe. I just don't know what to tell you. Um, our sales. Um, I'm all out of whack on, on what I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about this Brembo caliper. I like it a lot. I wanted to hate this idea so much. How, why would you hate this? I wanted to hate so this cool. idea so much. And the more I read it, I was like, this is a pretty good idea. It's so cool. So for those who don't know, Brembo has this 60th anniversary caliper concept that basically just has LED lights on it. I mean, more visibility, very cool looking visibility. Yeah. I think the whole point was like to like trick out your ride and it can like glow and flash and and all this other shit. And there's like, there's an app that can 
that you can change the color based I on am your. So the right guy for this. Based on your, you are kind of like the right guy for this. <laughs> and I just wanted to shit on it and hate it so much. I'm like, what a fucking stupid thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, and it can operate as a a locking device for your wheels. Right. And it can glow like red when your tire pressure is low and like it can like turn on as a light when you're working on your, on your wheel in the dark. And I'm like, all right, those are pretty practical. I love that they led with like, but it looks cool. But doesn't it fucking look bling? (laughs) Like you can give your bike extra personality, but also it's very functional. I'm like, you crazy Italians. I like it so much. I want that on my bike real bad. I don't know. Also, it looks like it has different colors. Like I can have a B Tiffany blue. You can go. That's the thing. You can change colors on your based on your mood, Gene. Based on your freaking it's like mood. A mood ring for your motorcycle. Exactly what it is. And you're just like, that's dumb. But then like they they come up with like some really smart things, and you're like, ah, dude, that'd be amazing. You could start like a little forum on the color thing, and then if you see somebody has like red, it just means don't go up to them. They're in a bad mood. But if it's green, it means this dude fucks. Wait, you just literally described a stoplight party. I know. Okay, but it's on your motorcycle. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Um, Wait, it's called a stoplight party? I'm totally late to this one. <laughs> As someone who went to two party schools during his eight <laughs> years of higher higher education, let me enlighten you on a stoplight party. Oh, do So you go to a, like a house party or whatever, and there's three colors of dress code that you can wear. Red, yellow, green. Red means, hey, I'm dating someone. Don't come talking to me. Yellow means... It's complicated. Uh, I probably have a boyfriend, <laughs> but fuck that guy. Let's talk. And green light means... Hey, party time. Come on over. This is a mingler right here. I'm ready to, I'm single ready to mingle. Um, so that's a stoplight party, which is different from a key party, which I had to explain to Miss Hannah Johnson, which was super awkward. <laughs> oh, man. She's so nice. Mm, she's okay. Think of how well she took care of you during your broken shoulder excursion on the way back. She really did. She really did. I literally thought she was going to lay down in front I of I want to be as nice as her when I grow up. Literally thought she was going to lay down. She's just like, I get to see in her eyes. She's like, that little fucker's going to go out. I'm going to take his keys. Dude, I walk next to her sometimes, and she wants to get in front of me, and she makes that noise, meow, and she gets in front of me. I'm like, we're not on the racetrack. We're at the dealership having a meeting. <laughs> she's a brat. Once a racer, always a racer. She's, she's a, a brat. Bra- brappy little sister. Bratty little sister. Uh, <laughs> didn't ask for. Um, MV Gusta relaunched in the U.S. We just talked about MV and what they need to do to fix everything. So. Are they doing uh, this? Are, are they doing the things? I guess just listen to our episode and you're going to be good to go. Yeah. Mr. Henderson. Yep. Mr. Henderson, uh, uh, Christian Henderson. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm so it's interesting because we've seen where they hire CEO types for X, whatever is being sold that doesn't come from that background. They come from like a background of selling flowers or whatever. And it's like, oh, interesting. You're you used to sell shoes and now you're going to sell motorcycle brands. And so we always kind of scratch our heads, but now we're talking about a CEO that's coming from a motorcycling side. This makes sense to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know Christian Henderson. Uh, I've never met him, but I did look up his resume and, you know, uh, started as, as a mechanic, right? Started as a tech, right? Uh, worked his way up, you know, inside the service manager, eventually started to look like doing his own thing, then became uh, at a dealer working for, as GM as a dealer. Then he went over to Triumph and was a regional service manager and then became like the head of the Southern United States. You know, so working and working yeah, this from is someone who's worked all the tiers of the all the retail, levels, all the levels of retail and, and the dealer operation. I have some faith in that person. And what is what are the two biggest issues for MV Augusta? Making your dealers happy yep. 
and getting parts to customers. This guy should know how to do that. He should. I have so, some faith in him. So I'm 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 crossing my fingers. Could be interesting. And hoping that he his point of view and his perspective and his experience will help MV Augusta US forge ahead in the proper direction. Yeah. That is a conversation I'm I'm super interested in having with him to see what his what his plan is. I really hope you do an interview with him. Yeah, see what he can do. It's put up or shut up. It's as, it's as simple as that. Oh yeah, you know I think I think MV like like some other Italian brands, mm-hmm. we're just like yeah okay, like talk 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 talk. That's fine. Just fucking do it though. Like you, if you, until you do it, no one is gonna believe it. Until you have perfect fulfillment on your parts, until you have a robust dealer. Like I can't even get a price tag on on an MV bike in the US right now. No. So like until you guys are actually like doing it, like it's just talk. And that's fair. Like, I'm not like hating, but it's like until you prove us otherwise, you're in this like default position of that's tough. It's a tough position to be, especially right now. I mean, the supply yeah. chain ain't no joke right now. That sucks. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a huge weak link and it's it's hurting everyone in the industry. It's yep. not just Yamaha or Ducati. I mean, you saw that that boat that was held up in the Suez uh, Canal was holding Yamaha and Ducati parts in it. Yeah. Neat. That sucks. That's something yeah. that's going to have a win, you know, a, a uh, fallout that's going to last a while. And so it's happening everywhere in every industry right now. Everyone's dealing with it. And I, I would not, I don't envy uh, Christian Henderson getting into this position. But the good part in news is he sort of knows where they're at probably and knows where it needs to get for the dealerships to be happy and work well with them. And so my hope, again, is that with his experience and his perspective, he's going to be able to say, hey, this is what needs to happen. And hopefully the mothership says, cool, go do the thing. That'll be the biggest thing in, in empowerment from Italy. Because right. it wouldn't be uncommon for an Italian company to try and micromanage its U.S. subsidiary uh-huh. in this industry. Uh, it's not like I have ne- ever seen that happen before. <laughs> As if that's history. I mean, I'm not even like, I'm not even talking about like one brand in particular. I can think of like three or four brands. Pretty much all of them. All pretty of much them. all of them. All of them. Yeah, pretty much all Car of them. Car and motorcycle side. Yeah. It's just a weird, and like, I kind of get it. Like, it's not the home market and you got to have a little bit of faith there. But yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, is is Italy going to empower him to do the things he needs to do? I mean, just imagine you've, you've started your own brand of something, right? Yeah. Let's say you've started your own restaurant here. Jensen's Mountain Dew Depot. Yeah, and it's sell doing, one thing, right? Selling one thing, <laughs> but it's like in different forms. You can have like a, you know, I don't know, Do like cereal bottle? that tastes like Mountain Dew and hot dogs that taste like Mountain Dew. But you're doing really well. It's it's just doing crazy well here. And you decide to open another one in New York City. But you, instead of going there and doing that one because you're so busy running the one here, hire someone else to run the New York City one. Sure. You have to have enough faith in that person's or that team's ability to run your dream business the way it's supposed to be run so that you don't have to micromanage them to death. And I imagine that's what happens, you know, for these European or Japanese brands that have U.S. subsidiaries that are taking care of stuff for them. But I feel like some of the Italians, I think being married to an Italian, they have a hard time not taking control of that operation, whatever is happening. And so I really, really hope that maybe the Russian influence will help them go, hey, just let them do the thing. Maybe. We'll see. I have high hopes. I love that brand a lot, and I wanted to see it do it. They make well. beautiful bikes. Yeah. It's a beautiful brand. They've got a lot of work to do. A lot. They've got a lot more work than, say, another Italian motorcycle brand that also has some work to do. So, 
Yep. You know, like <laughs> it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know how to transition to this, but like I was looking at so Ducati sales. Speaking of Italian brands, speaking of there Italian you go. brands, Boom. transition. Uh, Ducati sales. This is an interesting report that came out. Up thirty three percent this year, Q one versus last year, nationally or internationally. Internationally, which is a low bar considering that twenty twenty was a dumpster fire for basically every street bike brand. The first half of it, especially. I mean, the whole year. I mean, for the year, it was down. Just yep. about everyone was down last year. Uh, the second half of the year was tremendously better than the first half of the year. Right. But the first half of the year was a fucking nightmare. Yep, absolutely. Um, so not hard to be up this year where we're we're continuing that boom that we saw in the last half of last year. It's it's pushing its way through 2021, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, buy some advertising. Um <laughs> Uh, are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> um, uh, Emmy Augusta, would you like to buy some advertising? <laughs> Have Christian call you. Yeah, Mr. Henderson. Uh, Mr. Henderson. Harry, what was it? What's, what was that one with the Sasquatch? Harry and the Hendersons? Harry and the right. Yeah. Christian and the He's never heard of that one before. <laughs> Probably never. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't haunt his childhood at all. <laughs> um, if he's listening, he's shaking um, his head like, yeah, well, never, never talking to these fuckwits. Definitely not advertising now. <laughs> uh, so it's easy to show a gain this quarter. And and to the credit, like Harley Davidson, I think we talked about it two shows ago, up 9%. What gets interesting, this is the, the new analysis. How are we doing compared to 2019? Correct. Ducati, up 2%. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Harley Davidson, down 10% compared From to 2019. 2019. So we're but, doing better than 20, but still. I mean, like if you just kind of like, just just forget 2020 happened the trend is like still a slide downward the thing that's interesting though up 17 percent in the u.s so it's really the international sales that are tanking harley davidson which i think is very strange i think i think you can blame some of that on covid still i think that's fair too probably you know especially now that india india is having like Oh, oh my god the worst uh covid wave People just dying because there's no oxygen. It's craziness. It's absolutely bonkers. I've been reading some Reuters articles about it, and it's like, oh, man. You think the supply chain's fucked up now? Uh-huh. Think of what it's going to look like when all of India production is shut down. Because right. I just saw that coming through this week. Uh, KTM. Who was it? Uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about this. I wasn't told that there would be things with this. Honda, Hero, uh, Suzuki couple other brands i can't think of off the top of my head all of them are shutting down their their indian production mm-hmm. and so like i don't know how much how many parts are coming from india they're going into non-indian bikes i don't think it's it's a non-zero number i think most of that stuff's coming from southeast asia but just, again it's just like it's just gonna all be fucky it's all mm-hmm. gonna be funky fucky is the word this is why i have a year's worth of race consumables in my guest bedroom just in case just in case i need to like i might just survive out survive people this season Jensen's just there, but I got my tires. Seriously. Well, hey, like, maybe that's how you end up winning. Seriously. I mean, that that literally, my, like, I do think we're going to have at least one racer who's like, oh, I couldn't get tires. I couldn't get oil filters. I guess I'm not racing. I, I think that's going to happen. I might be. I might be a little, like, alarmist and, 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 no, I mean, making a thing out of nothing, but all jokes aside, a lot of dealerships are going to run out of things like oil filters. Yeah. Not all of them, but some of them. Some will. of them. Some of them. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, We'll, we'll see. Oh, I got my second COVID vaccine. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Didn't have any side effects. 
Nice. I mean, maybe a little sleepy. Yeah, I was tired for about 12 hours. Yeah. And then I was fine. It was good. I was stoked. Nice. That's all I got. What do you got? You had some things you want to talk about. I was kind of excited about a couple of things. Like it's it's because we're in the Northwest, you know, we have the seasons. And so it's officially going into the drier season and people are getting excited. Summer is summering. So it's summer is summer. I mean, it's, it kind of did initially and then it cooled off and then it's warming back up again. Mm -hmm. But it's fun to be outside the, you know, the dealership on a Saturday and have 30 motorcycles parked out front again. Yeah. Um, So all the, all the fair weather riders are coming out. They're coming out of the woodwork, which. Again, I've talked about this before. It's making it where every dealership around here has this crazy bottleneck now of everybody who suddenly realized, oh, yeah, I have a motorcycle in the garage and it needs XYZ for me to start riding it every day like I want to. Yeah. Uh, let's get out of the show because we're way, we're way too long into it. We have three Anar Pro guys we have to thank. What? Uh, you can eat this week. Yes. I can eat this week. I think, I think a couple were from last show when I was just like, I don't have time to look. Oh, you were uh, sad. I, didn't I was like just broken. I didn't have time. I'm like I'm like literally awake for like two hours a day. I don't have time to figure out who's who's signed up or not. I'm like, come on. But I got time now, so I looked it up. Who we, um, got? Who we got? First up, Nate. Nate is a fellow racer out at CRA who I did the endurance race nice. with. Nice. Uh, two years ago. Nasty Nate? Because I feel like Nate's are always nasty. Nasty Nate. Nate. I like it. If yeah. his nickname isn't Nasty Nate already, it, it should to. be now. And yeah. he's friends with, with a person I'm friends with on facebook i won't say i'm actually friends with him because that would probably automatically indict me in some sort of like some nasty natering nasty natering but he should influence the rest of the cra paddock to instigate the nasty nate yeah uh nickname i'm a big fan of that henceforth you shall be known as nasty nate nasty nate Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. thanks for signing up Thanks, Nasty Nate. You you're rock. Out. What'd you get out of here in our broke sign up? Uh, horrible nickname. Goddamn stupid nickname. These fuckers Co- suck. Couple <laughs> stories and a horrible nickname. Those guys are jerks. Oh, man. Fuck those fucking fuckers. <laughs> See? Uh, next up, Damien. Damien. From Australia. That was, oh, my, well, that was the worst Australian Damien. I've done in a while. Just out in Oz. He felt bad about the crash and was like, hey, I'm going to sign for an Airburn account because I, I feel bad for you. He's like, Which, oh, you cunt. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you silly cunt. You yes, silly some, cunt. Here's some kangaroo you box. <laughs> Again, not an Australian accent. <sighs> I don't know. I think that's probably part of the concussion is I've just lost my Australian probably accent. Probably because you've lost it. My German's spot on, though. Is it, though? Is I it? feel like it is. Sounded a little Russian. Sounded a little like, like eastern side of the wall. Well, they were on the eastern side of the wall. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they know. They know what they did. Um... So thank you. Thank you, Damien. Uh, much appreciated. And I love that we have listeners all over the globe. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Every time somebody buys a Brap Talk sticker that it goes to like some other part of the world, it makes me so You mean giddy. when we lose $5? <laughs> That's fine. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. We're just Who's yeah. the third person? Um, I was, sorry. Yeah, nasty I, Nate, I got, yeah, I, Damien from Australia. I, I got to start. I was like, I was trying to figure out what... Uh, where australia ranks in our markets of oh. listenership oh it's like it's top five for sure I it's probably say, because we curse a lot i want to say it's our third biggest listenership <gasps> it's because we curse a lot we should probably. we should turn up the the volume in the cursing like, like dingoes banana bananas is not <laughs> bananas a, <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> you know, australians be- always talk about bananas go to bed jensen <laughs> go to bed you're done <laughs> i'm still not back to 100 percent. where is uh, it you're running at 50. sydney is our third largest city wow said night Oh, you beautiful. I can't wait. Maybe one day Second we'll go to Australia. Market. Second largest market. We're definitely going to have to go to Australia and do a live show there. That can't be right. Let me double check that. We'll have all three of our listeners there. It'd be How so is good. the UK not one of our larger markets? Australia, really? Canada? What's number two? 
United States, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, Netherlands. Wow. And then and then Germany. Germany. Germans. Listen. I guarantee oh it's all the shices oh, of BMW Motorrad. They listen to the show. <sighs> Who one of our listeners has got to be close to the the Nordschleife so I can go there and have a ride. I need this. That'd be cool. It's on my bucket list. I need to do it before I kick the bucket. I don't know if that's it's something I'd like to do. I don't know if it's a bucket list. It is for me. It's been forever I since I was that. a little kid. I can get the green that. hell. Come on, man. Oh, so sexy. It's just, it's weird. Like, it's still a road. It's a toll road. And you, you kind of have, have to be like, like, there's like rules, but there's not. And you can crash there, but you kind of can't. And it's kind of sketchy with the so guardrails. it costs so much money if you crash there. It's insane. They charge you for the guardrails and the time. Yeah, it's, it's the just, whole thing's amazing. Like, the whole thing just kind of like, eh, well. I used to want to ride a motorcycle through it, which I still do. But mostly I just want to go and do one of the, the like, I think there's a company called Apex Taxi. And then there used to be the BMW oh, Taxi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where you get a ride at a pretty good pace. Yeah. I want to do that. I need that. that. I can get behind that. Yeah. All right. We got one more. Uh, Dave. Dave. Dave in Austin. Uh, he signed up last show and I, I didn't see it in time. So sorry. Well, Dave. you said you said there was someone, but you couldn't remember. Yeah, there was a thing. You, you were in a deep fog. That, that was Dave. You were going on like hour two of your two hour uh, awake. Oh, yeah, period. I was probably like two and a half hours in my two hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he bought an Aprilia RS660 because of us. Nice. Congrats, yeah. Dave. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Aprilia, you can send that commission check to uh, Brap Talk at Brap Talk. Uh, yep. We Brap Talk at Gmail. That, we'll figure it out. It's PayPal. Uh, you know, Use we, PayPal as that commission. Yeah. Yeah. Just You're send welcome. it here. We'll we'll split it. Coda will probably get majority of it because she's a very hungry animal. But still. Nicely done, Dave. Is Dave going to take it to Coda? Speaking of Coda Kitty. Uh, did not say he was coming off of a CB 500 F CBR 500. Okay. I can't remember off nice the top little, of my head. Nice little he upgrade. Was, well, apparently we called his old bike Solus. Oh, and then he, and then he realized that we were right. So he bought an Aprilia. You're welcome. You're welcome. I almost said, I'm sorry, but you're welcome. I think. Yeah. Um, I want to know if Dave will take it to the, to the track at Coda. So Dave, if you're listening, tell me, let me know. I'm super curious. It'd be a decent track to take it to. Wouldn't it be great. It's kind of decent. a big track for that bike, but it is. It's got some. It's got some good turns on it. Um, got a little something for everyone. Yeah, a little some some. I wouldn't hate on it if you were like Johnson, come down to Coda, run an R660, be like, oh yeah, All right. okay, be right there, cool. Come in, nice, well done, Dave. Congratulations on your new bike. Yeah. Is it yellow? Is it purple? Is it black? What is it? Dark gray. Dark, dark, dark gray? Super dark gray? Super dark gray. Uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. Follow us on Instagram, at Brap Talk, on Twitter, at We Brap Talk, on the Facebooks, at uh, Brap Talk Motorcycle Talk Podcasts. Send us emails, webraptalk at gmail.com. And uh, we got more stickers. Actually, I just got more Safety Third stickers. Oh. Those have been popular. They are. I got the bigger ones and the little ones for the helmets. Your catchphrase is far more popular than mine. What's your catchphrase? Good talk. We'll see you out there. That's not a catchphrase. That's a, that's a goodbye. Same thing. Your catchphrase would be like, you know, zinger. 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 Cowabunga, dude. Cowabunga. I'll just do that. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> Watch could it take off. Could you just do that at a press launch? Cowabunga, dude. You know, I, Who I is know that I asked, idiot? <laughs> I know I asked everyone to tell me about their helmet, and I still want to know that. But uh, go ahead and send the suggestions for Jensen's uh, sign-off. But here's the thing. You've got the sign-on pretty well. That's that's where you scream my name for 35 minutes. Honestly, you know what I do? 
Well, at the race rounds, I do the Ric Flair woo. That's becoming a thing. Woo! Woo! That's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. And you get it like, there'll be like woo-offs across yeah. the paddock. <laughs> nice. A lot of fun. Um, You know, my, my, I think it's because I've been watching TikTok videos is I keep trying to get people to scream, oh yeah, which is one of my favorites. It's very awkward. So can I get it? Can I get it? Oh yeah. No, not going to do that. Man. I don't do anything TikTok related. We have, we have one friend who sends us TikTok Such things and I'm blocking him. Oh, oh his, uh, are you talking about Jonas? Yeah. I block Jonas. He's an angel. I love Jonas, but like, I'm like one TikTok video away from just driving over there and beating him with a stick. <laughs> he wants just, that. He wants to visit beat him. the he TikTok you. right out of him. <laughs> I'm going to tick your talk so hard. Yeah. All right. Uh, 53rd. Make good choices. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Good talk. See you out there later. Bye. I don't know whose idea that was, but they need to be like taken out back and hit with sticks. <laughs> just, just beat those bad ideas right out of them. I had one of the, the people from under those German brands. He was like, Johnson, you make such the dirty words on the podcast. This is so naughty. You're a pretty naughty person. I can't I can't listen to the show with my little scheissermeister. I have to send him into the other room. <laughs> <laughs>